Hi listeners, welcome to Define Normal, a podcast where everything and nothing is normal. I'm your host Shelby and today I am joined by my NYC older sister, former colleague and friend Mel. She joins us today to speak about her egg freezing and retrieval journey. I found this conversation to be really important because Currently on social media and IRL, there have been so many conversations, especially as I approach 30, about fertility and family planning and what that means, how much does egg freezing cost, what's the process for women, etc. And Mel was so transparent on her journey. I mean, I spoke to her in our own personal conversations, but then on her Instagram, as she shares in this conversation, she outlined the process and showed herself giving shots and just kind of talking about what was really going on. And so I found that really admirable how vulnerable she was. And I wanted to bring her onto the podcast to share with you. So Mel is here to talk about that process and give you an insight on how it was for her. Of course, I just want to preface it with this process is different for every woman and every person who goes through it. So I want to make space for you to hear about her, but also you know, understand that it's going to be different for everyone who goes through it. So enjoy my interview with Mel. Hi, Mel. Welcome to Define Normal. Hi, Shelby. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so happy to have you here. Today we are talking about freezing your eggs. There are so many people who've spoken about freezing their eggs, but in my world, you were one of the first people who actually spoke about it in a real way, shared the process, shared like how you felt and things like that. And so I really wanted to use this episode to hear about your personal experience, but also just like share a little bit generally about how it works, knowing that like it's different for all women. Like I've heard some women say it's a little easier for them. Some women have like issues with giving themselves the shots, all of that. But I I really wanted to use this time to hear about your experience. But before we get there, I want to give you some space to like introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you. I'm really excited to cover this topic. It was definitely... A big decision for me to make. Um, my name is Melissa Hoagland. People call me Mel. I'm 36 years old, have worked in tech almost my entire career. Uh, so this topic is a big one within that group of women that work in tech and that are millennials, elder millennials, um, and younger. So I uh, have worked in tech a long time, originally from Seattle did a short stint in uh, San Francisco, and have lived in New York the last almost eight years. I'm very active, very social uh, out here in the streets of New York. Mel is like my former coworker turned New York older sister. It's only natural that I would be asking you about some big momentous moment in your life. So thanks for the intro. Let's get right into it. The first thing I want to ask you is what made you decide to freeze your your eggs? How did you come to this conclusion. So picture this. It's 2020, 2022, or 20, yeah, 2022. You're still not married. <laughs> You're not even dating at this point. And you are thinking about what life outside of tech might look like. Just dreaming about it here and there. What would a tech without all of these benefits? And all of these amazing things the company offers uh, look like. So those three things combined, as well as being uh, 35 turning 36, uh, you know, July 2022, I decided I was going to start looking into freezing my eggs and what that looked like. I had had a lot of friends talk about it um, who had gone through the process, who had lightly 
I'm going to highlight lightly shared with me what their experiences were like. Mine was a bit different as everyone's experience is different. Um, so I, I decided really at the heart of the matter is thinking about my future husband, thinking about the fact timing has not lined up the way I thought it would when it comes to marriage, family, and all of the the box checking air quotes that we have. Um, I really wanted to do this as a gift to give him if we if he were whomever he is, we decide to have a family. The fact that I was thinking about him, I was thinking about having a family uh, before I even knew who he was. So it's the definition of future planning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> a nice little insurance policy. Okay. Yeah. So once you decided, okay, I'm going to freeze my eggs, what exactly happened next? What was, I want to hear like, what was the process from an administrative standpoint? Like you decide and then what happens? And then once you decided and actually kicked off the process, what was the process? I decided actually at the end of 2021, probably a month or two after my 35th birthday, that this was something I was going to start exploring when the colder months started hitting of October 2021. I just started talking to friends about it. Friends that I knew that were also considering it, I I started talking to them about it. People who had done it, people who were thinking about it. Um, Other friends who were in tech that I know who had done it over the pandemic while we were all inside. So I I started by having those conversations with people. Like Like just how you're asking me, just tell me everything. What did you do to start? When did you go off of birth control? All of those questions. And then I also have an amazing acupuncturist that I've been seeing since late 2018 who specializes in fertility. I saw her and continue to see her to manage anxiety and other health-related issues and maintenance with my acupuncturist. So I talked to her about it. When should I go off birth control, have those conversations? So I started getting answers. I started then looking at our, the company's policies or uh, the, the insurance, the, what is covered, what is not covered? Who do you recommend to go to? I got a referral from a friend for the specific fertility clinic that I decided to go with. A lot of it was based off of location because I knew I was going to have to go there regularly, reputation, storage of the eggs, I was in folk gathering was that the first couple months. Next step for me was then to go off of birth control. I'd been on birth control for 15 years. So I was, wanted to see what my body was like. I wanted to, and this was with the help of my acupuncturist and doctor. I wanted to see how, how things would work out. So before I even went to the fertility clinic, to get my fertility levels measured, I wanted two solid, three solid months without being on the pill. I just let my body show show me who she was again without hormonal birth control and progressed there. I can get into more details about how my body responded later, but just to kind of keep it tactical, that was in September, October, November. By December, I had decided, okay, I'm going to go get my fertility levels measured at the fertility doctor that was recommended to me and covered by my insurance. 
had that the blood work done, the follicles that existed counted, and I decided, okay, in two more cycles, after I go to a friend's 40th birthday, I'm going to do this in the month of February. So in the month of February, I had, by then, I had all the drugs, the needles, and everything I needed in my house and kind of found a place for them in my house to kind of live instead of having them spread all over, organized them, was very Capricorn rising about them, like so focused, goal oriented. And then, and then I scheduled the appointment, you know, had more blood work, scheduled the appointment for the retrieval and all of that. I can get into those details later and then experienced a lot of the post retrieval stuff that a lot of people didn't tell me about. So that was the process leading up to the point and and kind of how I got into it. Was there any fear going through this process? Because even now you're unearthing things I didn't think about. Like for example, starting off with your fertility check, it kind of feels like taking a test and it's really interesting. I mean, it is taking a test, but it's really interesting doing that out of the context of a relationship because it's like, am I someone who's fertile right now? Like, is that a thing before we even go into this? And so like, did that make you nervous? And also how did your fertility play into this egg retrieval? Like if you didn't get a certain result, could you not do this? So let me address the fear part. There was a a lot um, that went into this that was scary. Comparison that good friend of ours showed up big throughout this process. Showed up in the beginning, me, th- you know, mentally throwing a tantrum. Why do I even have to do this? How did I get this far in my life? And the goal of having kids and finding the guy and all the, the checkbox things just showed up for me in a big way. So comparison, which you could say is related to fear in a way of these things not happening for you. It's not true. That showed up first. And then the fear of the great question around the fertility measuring. It's called the AMH level. You go in, they check what that is, how for, and that determines how fertile you are and, and all of that. Yeah, there's some fear in there that it's not going to be like a number that is like great. However, I've learned through this process, numbers are a huge part of this and statistics and when they're measuring will your eggs and number of eggs lead to a live birth? That can be scary. However, this first step of of getting my follicles counted, existing follicles counted, and my fertility level and my blood work measured didn't have as much fear. I think I was more curious. Like, what's in there? I don't know. know. (laughs) Right. Am I fertile? I don't know. Because it's not something... Uh, that you can anticipate. Most of the times you go into the doctor, it's like, okay, I feel really great or I'm feeling a little weird, but like you have your own ways as a human to figure out most things about yourself. Like, oh, I'm having a knee problem. I can attribute that to like, I spin a lot. You know what I mean? But like your fertility, like there's no indication outside of our fertility that we're spoken to about at least. Yeah. And, and one thing I did learn through this process is everyone's you could have a one cycle, one month where you have a lot of follicles. And then the month you decide to go through with it, you actually don't have as many follicles to pump up to then have them become eggs, right? 
that can vary. And just knowing and trusting your body to do what it needs to do is huge. And just being grateful that this exists, right? And that it's okay if there's a bad month, maybe you can go through with it again. Now, I will say at the same time, for women who pay for this out of pocket, which I know a lot now, I know a lot of women who have done it out of pocket, that cannot also feel scary, right? So there's, a, I think, a lot a lot of elements because everyone is so different. And I think that's helpful to call out because a lot of people compare themselves and their experiences even within this egg freezing. Like I love what you said. It was really honest about I have this feeling of why do I have even have to do this? Like there are women who are married and have their own kids and they didn't have to do this. Like why, why me? And I think that's real because a lot of people act like it's such a joyous, oh my God, I'm freezing my eggs. And it, I mean, you, like I said, you were one of the first people who were like, okay, this is what's really going on, <laughs> which was really helpful. Um, in that same vein, what is something you learned from the process that you didn't know before? I learned a lot about specific types of hormones, right? In school, I don't think I really realized what the female reproductive system, which I've had, which I've lived with in my body my whole life, I, I don't think I realized what actually is happening. Like, yeah, the egg drops, you could get pregnant. I think we're told our whole lives, like, don't get pregnant before you're ready to get pregnant and have a baby, right? We are, that is drilled into us. This part of it is not shared as much, right? And so I think the first thing I learned is just like basics of like how follicles that are in your ovaries are through this process and pumping them full of different types of hormones. Also, different types of hormones are given to every different person. There are different protocols for different people to get the similar results, right? So I, learning that that's what they're doing, learning that how they retrieve the eggs, what that process looks like. There are pictures and I thought they like cut into you and go through or like, I, I, I just, I didn't really think that part through. So it was really great to learn like, what is progesterone? What is estrogen? What is, you know, what are these, what parts of the hormone fits where in this process? That was something I learned. I also learned like the female body, all human bodies, but the female body with this process is pretty incredible. Having known so many friend, girlfriends that have been pregnant and who have children given birth, like a lot of them didn't even know what goes into this part of IVF, right? My goal was to not make embryos and then have it implanted in my uterus to grow a baby right now, um, I learned about this process. And I was actually able to teach a lot of my girlfriends that already have kids about this process as well. So it really opened a conversation. One cute thing I learned is the first week for my protocol, which I'm forgetting the name of the protocol I did, for my protocol, I felt really pretty. Like I, for, during that phase where I was giving myself a morning shot and a night shot and they were estrogen and, and one other hormone that I was getting to amplify the number of, of follicles, right? Get them all going. 
I felt so beautiful. I looked exactly the same. But I walked around that week. I remember I went to the West Village, had dinner with some girlfriends, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I feel so beautiful. And then I added this drug that it, um, is called Ganarelix, and it has, is a progest- has progesterone in it. Every time I would put that shot in in the morning, in addition to the other two shots, I would really feel like, oh, like down because that shot stops ovulation, right? So it keeps the eggs in the ovaries to keep this as simple as possible, keeps them in there until they're ready to mature, be fully mature, and then be retrieved by your doctor. I instantly felt like, oh my gosh, this makes so much sense why we feel this way during our periods. That that oh that sinking like ooh I just feel gross and kind of sad. So I, I learned a lot about hormones in general, and it taught me to be a lot nicer to myself as well. I like that because I mean even as you're talking through it now, I'm like I don't think I knew all those things about hormones. Even some of the names of them, I'm like, what is that called? Like, <laughs> I mean, you might have to teach me after the podcast. I have some great resources that I can send to of like people on Instagram that. I have learned from that are actual uh, fertility doctors. Definitely will send some links over to uh, to post so people can keep educating themselves by someone who is a professional. (laughs) Okay, so you mentioned that you weren't really dating when this happened. And now that you've gone through the process, tell me like how you feel about bringing this up in dating. Is it relevant? Like how does this conversation come up? when it comes to people who you're going out with? I was dating someone until May of 2020 and then really took a conscious break of dating until I got through this process, actually. And I'm glad I did it that way. I actually, I gained about 15 pounds through this process. And I I say that to be honest, not to scare people. I was told, oh, you'll gain weight and then you'll lose it in two weeks. I know a lot of people that was the case. So I gained weight and I had a really hard time losing it until I went back on birth control and um, worked with my acupuncturist and a functional medicine doctor to kind of get myself back on track and my hormones back on track. Uh, I didn't feel like dating until like June of this year. Um, So I did did meet someone in June and it came up in the context of – me having just lost weight, right? And like feeling better about my body and more confident and all of that. So it came up in that context versus I froze my eggs. What do you think? (laughs) You know? (laughs) It was very natural. It's not like you came to him with a PowerPoint. Like, so I froze my eggs just now. Yeah. He and I haven't really talked about why I did it or kind of my, my reasoning for it. Maybe it's because he's someone who's worked in tech for a while, so it's it's common amongst many women he knows, but we haven't really talked about it in the way I shared at the beginning of the story. Sometimes I assume guys go through your Instagram and like read your things. That's probably a mistake. So I figured he read the one post that I put up about it of like, this is a gift for my future husband, but like maybe he didn't. That's okay. (laughs) (laughs) But if I was to imagine uh, continuing dating, meeting new people and talking about this or talking about it with the person that I'm currently seeing, 
of like why I would bring it up as needed. Yeah, like do you want kids and all of that. I think for me, it took the pressure off of dating in a small way. Someone told me that was going to happen. I was like, no, like I don't put pressure on dating anyways, which is, oh, no, no, I just, I do. Yeah, I think I would bring it up casually, if, but it's on a need to know basis. It's like a natural conversation when it comes up with like family planning, because I feel like the older we get, the more people kind of talk about like, do you want kids? Like what kind of family do you want? What's the situation? And then eventually you're like, okay, well, I froze my eggs. Like that's, because that is something I want. Um, and I don't feel like it puts a pressure on them. It just kind of shows them like something I want. So to ensure that happens in my future, I froze my eggs. Do you think you'd have a kid absent of a partner? Like if you, you said this is an insurance plan for your future husband, but like, would you do, would you have a child even if there was no husband? I have thought about that extensively. I also had people, as I, I posted every day throughout the process of, on, on my Instagram stories of me going through this process. So I had a lot of conversations with a lot of women. And I did have a few people assuming I was going to make an embryo with a sperm donor and do implantation and and have a baby. I had a couple of people, like two people that I don't know super well, say, oh, congratulations. You're going to be a great mom. Or when people would say, you're going to be a great mom, I was like, I'm not even thinking about being a mom right now. Like maybe I kind of am. Maybe I'm a little bit maternal just as who I am as a human. But I was not necessarily thinking about that. I I wouldn't do this by myself. I wouldn't go through it as I stand today. I am the child of a single mom. And so I feel like it as living, I have already lived that part of my life. As the child. Yeah. And I saw and still see kind of all the, all the sacrifices all my single mom friends make, what my mom made uh, for me, and I have so much respect for it. I, at this point, I just don't – I don't think that that is something I would do. Yeah. You want to do it with a partner. Absolutely. And that also kind of leads me to the next part of my results of my retrieval. There were 13 follicles that uh, they were hoping would be eggs. By the time the retrieval happened, there were nine that were retrieved, seven that were healthy. So they test the eggs before they freeze them. And then they let you know statistically what that means for live birth, right? So you lose statistically, you lose half of what you dethaw to then create embryos for implantation. So that's half, and then half of those usually become embryos. So I have about a 51% chance with the, I don't, with the crop that I have (laughs) uh, to have a live birth, which is very low. And they say 98% is what you want when you're going through this process. So my doctor actually recommended I go through it again And before I went back on birth control, I thought long and hard of like, of do I want to do this again to get a higher rate based off of uh, just frozen eggs by themselves? And I decided no. I decided that the next time if I did, if I'm not able to get pregnant naturally, which is what I will try first, which if I'm not able to get pregnant through IUI, which is, you know, 
uh, sperm into the uterus where the egg has dropped. If I'm not able to do that, and then I'm not able to dethaw my eggs and have them go from turn into embryos and an implant and need to get more eggs out and go through that process again, the first step of IVF, um, I would want to do it with a partner. It was just really hard to do it by yourself. I think that's great that you also have come to that realization because I feel like I'm making a general statement, but especially as women who are single and live in New York, you do a lot of things by yourself. Like Mm -hmm. we both live alone. We have great communities. We have great friends, but like there are big life things that you do. It's just you. And I think that sometimes there's some shame in saying like, I wish I had someone to do this with, or I want to do this with a partner because it's like, it's fun. It's fun. Like to be the single person who lives alone and kind of like has this great life. But then there are moments where it's like, uh, I don't want to do this by myself. So I think it's very vulnerable to share that and be honest about it. And it's okay to feel that way. I think it's, it's okay. And it's, however you feel, it's okay. Allowing yourself to feel and discern what those feelings mean and are signaling you towards uh, is really important part of this process. Yeah. Let's uh, go a little more into like the actual process. So you've talked a little Mm -hmm. bit about the shots and the hormones and how your body felt after and weight gain. So you told, you walked us through like how you decided to find a clinic and how you worked with them, what doctor you picked your fertility test. But when you got sent home with the needles that you were organizing like a Capricorn rising, <laughs> how long did you inject yourself? How often did you inject yourself? Did egg retrieval hurt? Like what can we have a little bit of detail yeah. there? Yeah. And again, I will preface this with everyone's experience is different. There are many, many protocols. Uh, so styles and how much hormones you get and what you get. Um, everyone is different and your doctor will advise you. So I will say that up front. My experience could be very different for many people. The needles were, uh, and all of the drugs were sent to my apartment through online pharmacist. And with the online pharmacist, they gave me the option of having a one-time in-home nurse to walk me through what all the drugs are, how to get set up, what needle size goes with what syringe, and how to mix uh, the hormones together. Menopure, you got to mix it all together. So I took advantage of having the nurse. Again, I was way ahead of the of timing-wise because December, I knew I was going to do this for February, right? So I had everything well ahead of my cycle. This all happens around your period cycles. Your, your doctor will advise you on all of that. Again, an important part for why I wanted to go off birth control. Um, so get home, ready, go to the doctor that day. They say, okay, you're ready. Schedule the appointment with the nurse to come over. We're all set up. She shows me how to do the shots. And I take notes and look and she teaches me little tricks like uh, to get an ice pack out and put it on your where you're going to inject in your tummy just to numb it up just a little bit, not too much. And so that'll help with the sting, clean, and all of that. So she shows me that. So that the shots last for, for me, I did it 11 days, 
before my retrieval. So there are certain days throughout. So I think it's day three, five, seven, and so I'm, I'm not remembering the numbers correctly, but your doctor will say, okay, uh, we need you to come in this day. We're going to take your blood work, ch- count your follicles, see where you're at, see if what you're putting in your body is moving along. So you'll do that a few times. They'll then say, okay, now add in the third shot. Then you'll do the third shot for a few days, go in, follicle count, see, see that they're maturing and growing. And then you then you go in three days later and they say, okay, in two days, you're going to take this the last two shots. They're called the trigger shot. And we recommend if you're really nervous about this to hire a nurse to come and do it for you. I knew a lot of women who either had a someone come every day to their house and give them the shots, or they especially wanted someone for that last trigger shot so they didn't mess it up because it's a very important shot. And sometimes nurses talk very fast on the phone, so it can be confusing and overwhelming. So I had a nurse come, help me, and, and did the shot. Other pro tips that I have when with throughout the shot process. I had a shot song. I made sure I had a treat for myself in candy form, like Shake Shack form, ice cream or something to like really be like, all right, or buy myself something online, like to congratulate myself on doing that. I was my own hype person. I also had friends come over a couple different times to just keep me company while I was doing it. And I was super grateful for that. I also had a friend who was going to go through fertility treatments with her husband in the future. So she came over just to kind of be like, I just want to see what this is all about. Right. And so, so I think we, it it helped people in a way and it helped me to have people there. I I love that. That's community at play. Like we all need our people to rally around us and you're there for so many other people. So I love that people showed up for you. What was your shot song? My shot song was a big lotto energy. Oh. Yeah. Every time, every single time I tried to play other songs and, but it was always that song. And because it was hot, this was February, 2022 it was before, you know, we had the gift of the albums we have right now from Beyonce and Lizzo. So, but that was my song and it really made me happy. Also, um, an EDM song called Good Life uh, with by Zoo, Z-H-U. I'm probably getting that wrong too. Uh, but it has, what's funny about that song is it's a baby on the cover of this album. <laughs> so it was like those two songs and they were just like, Positive vibe, positive energy, but yeah. Shot songs. Okay, mm-hmm. so you finish 11 days worth of shots. You get this trigger shot. A nurse comes over to give you, and then you go into retrieval. And so how yeah. does that work? Retrieval is like trigger shot, then you go the next day, and they kind of collect the eggs out of you? Yes. So you go to your doctor's office. Um, for me, it was a doctor's office in Midtown. Go to the office. You have your appointment. You get um, anesthesia. It's a 15-minute process. I had no pain, really. I don't maybe some cramping, uh, but I really wasn't in any pain at all. And 
came out of the anesthesia. I forgot. I had the, a really weird dream too. I don't even remember. It's like, I don't know. My doctor looked like a young John Travolta as well. <laughs> so it's like grease lightning. I don't know. Waited for a little while for the anesthesia to wear off. Had a friend come pick me up. I was pretty much, she was looking forward to a funny anesthesia Mel moment, but um, it wore off so quickly that I wasn't really that groggy. And then I, I, I came home and I rested for three days. And uh, I think that's, if you know me, sitting on my couch is my least favorite activity. <laughs> so. She's in the streets, as she said. Yeah, exactly. That That is what the whole retrieval process is, day of, and then three days following. I knew you'd say the hardest part for you wasn't actual retrieval, it was the shots. The shots and then the after fact. So I have, this is going to be TMI, and this is another thing we don't talk about a lot, and it might just be me, but anesthesia constipates me. It does with all kind of things, and um, I wasn't prepared for that for three days, and I think that part was actually way more painful than like the physical bloating and all of that. Yeah. To me, the shots part leading up to it was a mental jungle gym. And I chose to post about it every day. So I was feeling the support back. After retrieval, I just kind of stopped posting about it after I got my number of of eggs and all of that. But for me, it was the impact of going through this process on my hormones was a long journey. And for me, it meant weight gain, not working out in the same way. I worked out really hard to try and lose the weight and I just kept gaining the weight. One thing I've learned from podcasts that I've listened to that have functional medicine doctors on there that pay attention to folks with PCOS and pay attention to the controversial microbiome that happens in your gut, that it's hot buzzwords, all of this. But working out when your cortisol levels, your stress hormone is high will actually help you gain weight because it is a fight or flight hormone, right? So I I was overworking out. I was working out too hard to try and lose this weight uh, when really it was a hormone thing of me needing to get in check with after the process. That makes sense. So would they recommend you don't work out at all when your stress hormone is high or is it more of like, because there's been all these conversations, which is, which is another tangent about around your cycle as women, like you should do different workouts. So yeah. would it have had different effects? Are the doctors saying that or is it just too much working out in general? I, I've been working with this functional medicine doctor and she just, yeah, it was too hard of workouts. So paying attention to the type of workouts around your cycle is probably the best way to keep your cortisol in check and like hit workouts or yeah. stress, like it's super, they're stressful on your body, right? And so paying attention to that and doing your own research on that and just listening to your body yeah. is um, is good. And when you're in your mid-30s, I think you also, your body just changes and responds differently to working out than when you're in your 20s. Definitely. I mean, I'm already feeling those effects and I have one more, <laughs> I have one more year left. It's just like, really aggressive. I don't know. You just learn your body. It sounds like this process 
taught you even more about your body, but like as you get older, it changes, like you said, and you just learn like certain stuff doesn't hit the same way. Like I used yeah. to love like, a really aggressive hit workout, and now I'm like, I think I'm dying. And not just because like my respiratory system is just like that doesn't feel good. It doesn't always feel good after to do such an insane workout. I'm curious about the cost of this. You talked about how Meta covers some of it. And, and as a former Meta, Meta employee, that's almost what got me roped into this. I didn't feel a sense of urgency. I was working at Meta like in my mid-20s. I just didn't know what it entailed. And you were one of the first people who were like, okay, yeah, this everything you've just told us now is like a lot's going on. And so I ultimately was like, I don't know. I don't really feel a sense of urgency. Was that smart? Was that silly? I don't know. But the biggest drive was like, they're going to pay for it. So I'm curious about like, did they cover everything? How much would it cost if they didn't? Like as much as you feel comfortable sharing about the Yeah, definitely. I think this process would have cost me around twelve to $15,000 out of pocket for the type of protocol, drugs, specific doctor's office and storage type that I had. I think I ended up paying $2,500, $3,000 out of pocket something like that for one of the drugs I think wasn't covered. I paid a little extra for a new type of testing on the eggs, which is also controversial and not um, highly studied yet, but I just went through with it to have mine tested. That I think is the overall cost. It was like maybe around $2,500. Wow. That's amazing. Do you think you would have done it if you did not have the coverage of work? I don't think so. But then as I'm saying that, as I think about it, you know, me being 36 right now and not close to having a, a child in the next, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> you know, maybe maybe this is the year. Maybe Maybe this is the year I would have started saving for it, living life a little differently to afford this. Uh, perhaps, yeah, at the age of 36 versus 35. Are there any words of wisdom from your process or just in your general feelings around this that you'd want to share with women who are thinking about going through with it? Yeah, I think the first is I'm grateful to the, all the women who came before who, at, who fought for this to be a benefit for women in tech predominantly. It started from what I know uh, the whole, this whole egg freezing process started for women who were being told you need to go with some, through some kind of medical procedure that will impact your fertility after this life-saving medical procedure. So also thinking those women and doctors and researchers who came up with this for that. So a big gratitude for those two buckets of people uh, that this is an option and has been sorted in a way that people like myself and like yourself and many others can have an easier time navigating these waters. It's not the easiest, but an easier time and it's getting easier and easier the more we talk about it. I think the next thing for anyone who's going through this process and or thinking about this process is be nice to yourself. Don't beat yourself up about this. The first hurdle to get through this is the mental hurdle of, again, comparison. For me, it was the why me? Why do I have to do this? I really don't want to. Do, I never wanted to have to do this. Uh, getting through that. 
talking to your therapist, talking to your friends who have gone through this, getting through that mental hurdle, I think is the, is the next thing I would want people to know. And then, yeah. And, and be nice, be nice to yourself through the process before, during, after be nice to yourself. This, this is a beautiful thing that we can take advantage of. Thank you, Mel. Thank you so much for sharing all of this. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. And I hope uh, there's a little nugget of knowledge for someone who's listening. I mean, I'm sure there is. I've learned so much and I, I already knew you and have talked to you about it. And I still learned things today. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of Define Normal. If you like the episode or have any feedback for me, please leave a review on the Apple Podcast app. You can also follow the podcast on Instagram at Define Normal. See you next week.